Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, we're joined by our third special guest, Phil. Ooh. Hello. Would you like to would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I am Phil Savage. I'm the UK editor in chief of PC Gamer. Uh, and I'm here on an episode that isn't about PC games. <laughs> hey, these are technically on PC now, all of them. They are now. So yes, people who have downloaded the episode will know that this uh, this episode is called The Best Yakuza Games. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the Yakuza series. This is because Judgment is releasing on PS5 and Xbox Series X, a spin-off game in the series. And uh, generally speaking, Yakuza's having uh, like a big moment, really. It's all now available on Game Pass on uh, PC and Xbox and it's pretty easy to play the entire series and obviously late last year as well they released like a dragon in the west which is uh you know like a a new sort of substrand of the series so there's a lot going on with yakuza all the time at the moment and um yeah it seems like a good moment to talk about it right yeah i'd say so i mean this is probably now the first time where we don't know what the next yakuza thing is going to be um it feels like for the last four years they've been releasing them so consistently that now seems like a good time to sort of take stock of where the series is. Mm. And it seems, it feels like a series that has come up in probably about 50% of the episodes we've done. So it's nice to kind of get on top of it and nail down our thoughts. Yeah. And Phil, you are like the Yakuza expert of all the people I know. Like, um, it's something we used to regularly d- discuss in the office. I, for many years, enjoyed it through the medium of memes because it's possible to do that with Yakuza. Oh, yeah. But um, what's your sort of background with the series? So, I didn't actually play any game in the series until 2017, when Yakuza 0 um, was released, which I think was like an onboarding point for a lot of people. I think that that's where the series... It had some success like on PS3, but I think it really came to life uh, with Yakuza 0 on PS4 um, back in 2017. And then I basically thought, okay... What if I then spent the rest of the year playing only these games? So uh, it was before the remasters had been released. So I dug out my PS3 from storage and went and played Yakuza 4 and 5. And then Kiwami was released and just kept going from there, really. So me and Phil worked together for um, many years. And uh, I remember that this year, I think it was in the Game of the Year discussions on PC Gaming, you did basically (laughs) say to me, Look, all I've done is play Yakuza games all year, and um, I, you know, I'm struggling to have like many more takes on other games beside that because this was basically my year. Um, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I think that's correct. No, that seems about right. I mean, it, the previous year I'd managed to get uh, Dishonored to to be our game of the year, so I thought, oh, this year I'll just take a back seat. I've done my work. We'll <laughs> let someone else <laughs> run the game of the year. So I've been trying to have a Yakuza year this year. And so far, I've made it through Kiwami 1, and I got to the end of it and was like, I just need a break. Like, I can't do more of this right now. <laughs> so the idea of, like, that I've got, you know, a good six entries ahead of me is terrifying. Finding where to start and finding sort of how to catch up, because they are all 50 hours minimum. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to... I mean, there, there are a lot of ways to judge your completion of the Yakuza game um, and I try to at least do the main story and probably all of the sub stories because they're often the most delightful part um, and yeah that that's usually it's a, a big time investment. Yeah it's great to have you on for this one then Phil so um, we're gonna what we're gonna do in this episode is we're going to talk a bit about the history of the series we're going to talk a bit about judgment 
Uh, we'll talk about how the series managed to kind of take off in the West after being um, sort of like not dormant for a long time, but certainly it had a smaller cult audience uh, than it does now. And then um, Phil is also going to talk us through his five favourite Yakuza games as the um, expert on the podcast. So uh, it should be a good one. Hopefully, if you're listening um, to this, if you're a fan of the series, you'll get get something out of it because of Phil's expertise. And if you're new to the series, you might um, get more excited about it by listening to us talk about it. Uh, obviously, we're, uh, we've only just started recording the episode, so I have no idea if either of those things will be true. But, um, <laughs> we make no promises. Uh, no. Indeed. Um, so, Phil, why don't you tell us a bit about your background in media? Obviously, we worked together for um, a bunch of years. Um, do you want to talk about how you sort of got involved in games media? Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it was an accident, but it definitely happened without my active participation, I feel like. Yeah, it sounds like an accident. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, back in uh, early, early 2020s, I sort of got back into PC gaming uh, after a period of not really being able to afford uh, any computer. I just had a terrible laptop that could only run very, very old games. So I did that, and then I just ended up picking up the magazine that a friend had a whole bunch of in uh, their flat. So decided, oh, this must be the magazine people buy to know about this thing. Uh, And that was PC Gamer. And I ended up following uh, a couple of the writers on emerging social media platform Twitter and (laughs) happened to get a follow back from Tom Francis. At the same time, I'd been doing a bit of blogging, um, mostly about game stuff. And so one day, sort of mid-2011, he emailed me and said, oh, would you be interested in doing some writing for us? And obviously I said yes. So I spent about a year doing um, little freelance bits, uh, stuff for the Extra Life section, which is the sort of back third of the magazine which is all about games that are already out and our relationship with them. Um, and also doing a few half-page reviews for terrible um, Wii winter sports ports. <laughs> and then about a year of that, somewhere in 2012, um, I was sort of making enough from doing magazine bits that I ended up leaving my job, um, which, if I try and work out the economics of it now, doesn't make any real sense. But... <laughs> I was living in uh, quite a rough part of Manchester at the time, so I guess I wasn't paying much for rent. And then one morning I got a email from Graham Smith, the editor at the time, who said, uh, our, our website news cover has cancelled last minute. Are you free to do a news shift? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Not really knowing how that would go. But yeah, I did a, a day's news and then kept getting more offers for cover and then this happened to sort of coincide with them ramping up their website plans a little bit. So ended up being brought on as a kind of full-time freelancer, um, moving down to Bath and writing news for a good few years. Yeah, so that happened. Um, I remember that's where our story is going to intersect, isn't it? Yes. I uh, joined editor as editor at this point and then, um, you know, was uh, kind of getting used to coming in at the top there, which was um, quite daunting. But um yeah, I remember you just sort of plugging away. And like, um, you know, all these years later, I I now understand what a viable resource having a good freelance newswriter is. Like, um, good Lord, they're a precious, uh, a precious type. So yeah, what about from there, Phil? Like, uh, how did you sort of get involved um, full time and become editor in chief? So at that point, like once you're in the door, you just kind of have to hang around and be available as people leave uh, and be up for trying pretty <laughs> That's much. That's how his career works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can do that and you're you're sort of up for trying basically anything, uh, you'll do all right. 
So when Chris Thurston, the deputy editor at the time, moved over to PC Gamer Pro, a sort of attempt at an esports channel for the website, that left a spot open for deputy editor. Uh, I mean, Sam, you'll probably know better why I got picked for it, but I like to think it's because I would take part in the stupid back page photos to shoot, and other writers were less keen on that as their brand. Uh, well, I, it's it wasn't to do with that quite so much. It was, um, I mean, you know, certainly that was a, a valuable um, part of your contributions, PC Gamer. But <laughs> I thought that there was very much um, something I learned being on PC Gamer is there was a culture that's kind of instilled in you of like what PC Gamer values are and what the kind of like quality bar of PC Gamer is, and it's quite a precious thing and like. Um, it sort of it feels like something that's been passed down through the different generations of writers and editors, and I felt like you just really got it. Like you really understood what that was, and obviously I knew you were a very good writer. Plus, you'd been through the ringer. Like um, you were writing so many reviews of like NAF MMOs. That seemed to oh, be yeah. That was how <laughs> I kept my sort of kept my foot in the door for freelance before I got full time position. Was just be the guy who'll do the MMO review. Just say yes oh to everything. And it is hard work. But also some of my early submissions were a bit naff and got the, the dreaded Tony Ellis email. So it was like, <laughs> I, I, I need to do everything to make sure that I keep going with this. And obviously in the end, so Tony Ellis was our uh, old production editor and probably just one of the best people in future at the time. It, like I learned so much from those emails from him, even if as you're reading them, it sort of cuts you down to your core as, as you take in like oh everything i wrote was garbage for these reasons um but then you learn from that and it really makes your work a lot stronger as a result tony was the first person who explained what the passive voice was to me um a concept i don't think i'd even thought about while i was working at imagine and then it was like suddenly you can't ever do this again and it's like okay thank you tony um, <laughs> very valuable to go through that process i think i i kind of uh i weirdly for all my time at future i'm pretty sure unless i've really forgotten something pc gamer was the only games magazine i never wrote for mm. um yeah so i've never been i never went through the the the, the tony process um my whole career may be a total sham maybe i am <laughs> shit uh, i just haven't been told <laughs> by someone who knows better well there's only one way to find out um matthew and that's if you review like uh you know an mmo for pc gamer it were, were it possible to do such a thing in um 2021 there are no <laughs> mmos now but um yeah uh yeah so phil from there then you become editor of the magazine right and i move over to the website what was that like uh that was um something of a culture shock i think uh so w one of the things about working with samuel is he takes a lot of work on for himself and holds a lot of it in his head at a time so then transitioning to being editor and finding out what the job actually meant and how much of it was kept from me. Uh, it was like, <laughs> oh, being Deped was a complete lark. Uh, <laughs> this is real now. Um, at the same time, like it is genuinely fulfilling to sort of craft that process and be sort of in charge of what each issue is. And I made some issues that I, like, I'm so proud of to this day. So that was really valuable i mm. like the idea of taking over something and there's sort of like here are all the kind of you know the the spreadsheets we use to manage various things and here's the key to my mind palace <laughs> where most of the magazine exists and you now have to go in and survive in this place there were some parts that i was like fairly well organized with like the flat plan mm -hmm. and um that was fine 
everything else was more of a punt. Um, but it's, <laughs> it, it did, the, the information did exist, but yeah, like um, I was very much dependent on my like late twenties brain, and now I've got like mid, like almost mid thirties brain, and I can't do that anymore. And I do need to like write things down. So um, yeah, you kind of got the aftershock of uh, of that. I think your run on PC Gamer, though, Phil, was, like, a bit better than mine overall because I don't think you were as, like, worried about, like, the commercial side of it as I was in terms of the types of stuff you were putting in, like, cover lines and things like that. And I think that meant you did some more interesting features overall and different types of issues. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe you feel differently, but uh, that's kind of how I see it. That's possibly true. I think we've always been quite lucky, or I felt quite lucky doing it because... For starters, you were moving into a new role as like UK editor in chief, so so it felt like I wasn't at the top of the chain still. Like it felt like I still had a bit more room to move, and there was somebody above me who was like looking out for me. At the same time, a lot of cover discussions we had, it felt like we were trusted. Like the people didn't necessarily know what the PC games landscape was, so people expected us to make good decisions about what to put on the cover and i think ju- just to have knowledge working in the space leads to to you mm. you try some things out i remember that fachi from nintendo mags this idea of like we can play the oh this is a nintendo like heartland thing and you just don't understand it card every once in a while i think that's how you get your your phoenix right versus professor layton cover through you're like these are iconic characters and people have demanded to see them together for years they hadn't and uh, <laughs> so but I can at say that it point now. you're just like screw it that's very much like one for me one for you i think yeah i can say it now because uh, i'm not in charge of or I, I don't get involved in picking those covers as much anymore so i could just say actually i played that card maybe too much and <laughs> i'm very lucky it worked out like more often than not um i think I think we got a lot of um, leeway when I put a big lion face on the cover for uh, Planet Zoo. And I did it. I would almost say I did it mostly as a dare, but it it made me happy to have a big lion on the cover. And I was like, I will fight for this. I will do anything for this. And I had no idea if it would sell. And it actually sold really well. So vindicated. (laughs) And from that point on, it was man with a gun or lion (laughs) became the rule. Nothing in between. But hey, the Um, lion had really good eye contact. So Imagine if the lion had a gun. That would have been amazing. That was a great great looking issue though. Planet Zoo, right, that one? That was, Um, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Also, I thought that one of the coolest issues you did, Phil, I think you did this like a month after I took over, which was your Half-Life 2 anniversary cover. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, where you did like a whole a whole bunch of themed features around Half Life Two, and uh, it was so cool. You just used the logo on the cover with like an orange fluoro effect. I think that I immediately just thought, ah, oh, fuck, I should have done that sort of thing instead of worrying about like, is there a total war or like relic RTS I can put on the cover this month? <laughs> if not, we're fucked. That was like my kind of um, overall vibe. Yeah, but even um, that introduced me to the panic of putting an orange fluoro on a cover and then worrying up until the point you get it to the printers that there'll have been an error and that it'll have come out as a horrible kind of salmon pink that it appears <laughs> in the PDFs. <laughs> yeah, which can happen. Which um, did happen to me in that, a different issue. It's, it's so good, though, that moment of like when they send you the box of issues and you open it up and there is this brief second of like... Have we absolutely fucked it this month? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, good. We, we all get to carry on working. This will either look amazing or so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, from there, Phil, then you became a UK editor in chief when I left PC Gamer in 2019, was it? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, how uh, how is that uh, running the website side of things? Different. It's it's kind of exhausting in its own way uh, because I think you made the point as well. Like the the magazine is kind of a slow build to panic each month as you get everything in place and then realize it's deadline day and you haven't got the back page written yet. Whereas <laughs> uh, the, 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 there are fewer peaks and troughs on the website. It's just sort of a background radiation of, of kind of pressure. Um, but like, we've been really lucky these last few years. We've brought in a whole bunch of new writers. Like the team feels probably bigger and more dynamic than it has in a long time. So it's a real different vibe from sort of our, our previous era, mm. which was a lot of fun in its own way, in the sort of scrappy kind of all pulling together kind of way. But uh, right now, it, yeah, it just feels, I don't know, quite satisfying. Mm. You've got the right amount of people for the work that needs doing, basically. Yeah, it does feel like that. I mean, it, there's still stuff that comes in, uh, various events and... Uh, the top 100 for the magazine each year still kind of stretches us to breaking point, even with extra people. It's amazing that we ever made one on, like, half the stuff. Yeah. Uh, I have good memories of making those now, though. Like, um, And also just a sort of uh, self-loathing that would kind of accumulate over the years um, for, like, years <laughs> where it kind of went wrong. Like, oh, 2014, that was kind of a disaster. I think we all felt that way about the 2014 top 100, um, yes. which was my first one. And then, like, it sort of slowly got better over the years. And then, like, now I imagine it's pretty, um, a-, a lot slicker, at least, and uh, more straightforward to put together. Uh, yes and no. We don't do votes anymore. Like, we decided democracy was bad. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so instead, we just have a long conversation over multiple days where we talk through every game line by line, uh, and it takes forever. And it's kind of fun and high energy, and I'd kind of love to record one of those conversations one day. Yeah, But also, awesome. f- for legal reasons, probably can't. Uh, <laughs> it gets a bit spicy sometimes. Oh. Classic. Uh, yeah, uh, good stuff then. Well, in which case then, Phil, um, thank you for introducing yourself, and uh, we'll take a brief break there, and then we'll come back and talk about Yakuza some more. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm joined by Matthew and Phil to talk about Yakuza some more. So, first of all, a brief discussion of Yakuza's history. So, the series was uh, began in 2005. The first entry and the uh, series in general was produced by Toshihiro Nagoshi, someone I've mentioned on this podcast before. So, the original PS2 game didn't seem like something that Sega really wanted, but Nagoshi sort of forced it into life, and uh, Sega had very low sales expectations for it. It was a game purely made for uh, Japanese adult men, is my understanding. And it basically sold in increments. And the low kind of original sort of shipping run for the game uh, sort of ballooned over time. And then it eventually became this sort of like slow burning hit. And from there, there was this uh, Western release of the first game in 2006 that is considered quite duff. Um, Do either of you have much of a kind of history with that version? Uh, I've played like... Like four or five hours of it, I never, I never finished it. But I did, but I bought it new, hmm. yeah. I, because it had Lex Luthor from Smallville in it. 
What about you, Phil? Uh, I did not buy it, but I may have found a way to emulate it and try it out for a few hours, at which point I was like, hmm, yes, no, I won't be going back this far into the series history. (laughs) Yeah, and then um, it was considered a little bit of a flop, the Western release, and... um Basically, a belated Yakuza 2 port would follow on... Um, sorry, not port, but localization would follow mm. uh, from Sega in 2008. And at which point, obviously, the um, PS2 was an extremely old console. It was almost 10 years old. So that was um, not that didn't sell particularly well. And uh, it was actually kind of surprising that Sega kept going with it and ported like um, Yakuza 3 and uh, 4 and 5. That it seemed to be like fraught, more and more fraught each time in terms of whether they would actually come to the West or not. Some got, I think uh, I think it's five that got a digital-only release, right, Phil? And, um, That's right, yeah. Yeah. So that showed that it wasn't doing like particularly well. Uh, but they kind of persisted with it. Yakuza Dead Souls, the sort of um, zombie sort of spin-off that wasn't um, particularly well-received. But I imagine they probably thought, well, you know, this kind of acts as more of a kind of standalone game than this... Um, long-running sort of arc and so uh, maybe it would do well but um got zombies in it it'll sell that's (laughs) that's what publishers think i assume yeah i think around that sort of time i think it was probably off the back of like red dead's undead nightmare doing well and thinking oh well people quite like uh these horror themed spin-offs of um (laughs) of uh different series but um it seemed to take until uh yakuza zero for the series to have this sort of breakthrough moment um would you say that's the case, Phil? What do you think um, made this entry like um, take off in a way that the other ones didn't? I think there's a few things. Um, for one thing, like I, th- I think something that really helped is that the PS4 was the first of Sony's consoles that had an, a really easy way for you to take screenshots and just share them on social media. And mm. the Yakuza games... Like completely by accident, I guess, because of how old the series is. But they lend themselves so well to like capturing instant sort of memeable moments. Mm. Most it's got an almost visual novel style a lot of the time. Like most of the time, you were looking at a character doing a weird pose, and then a a brief like couple of sentences of text saying something funny. And mm-hmm. throughout the game, there are just you know, if, if you're looking for you know stuff to post, silly things to post on social media, it's just like you'll get so many from any of the games <laughs> in the series. Um, yeah, ninety five percent of all the screenshots or whatever I've taken on Xbox have been purely from Kiwami One. I think because they've just yeah, like you say, you're just constantly like that's a tweet, that's <laughs> yeah. a tweet, that's a tweet. You know, it's the character names that get me. Because they're so, like, vague a lot of the time. You know, it's just like Mr. Bighead or Man with Giant Face you know, is the name of the character. And you're like, well, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, or you go, matter what you say. You're going into a fight and it just comes up in large text with suspicious men. And you're like, yeah. well, okay, I will punch these people, yes. <laughs> uh, I've tried to avoid tweeting too much about me playing through Yakuza 0 because I feel like I'm so late to the meme economy on that one. <laughs> it's like... It's like I've. It's like discovering Bitcoin now. It's like, well, good fucking luck. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, th- I, th- yeah. I honestly think it's okay because I think people have such affection for it mm. that they're like, oh yeah, that's great. I love that when they see it. And people who don't know about it are just, you know, get on board. It's so, uh, it feels like reheated uh, patter to me, but um, maybe that's just a bit harsh. Oh but, um, god, uh, I feel for, I feel damned now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, that wasn't my uh, my intention, Matthew. Um, so yeah, this one seemed to sell quite well then, Phil. And you think that the um, social media sort of following helped the game find more fans? I think that helped to an extent. Also, so it released early 2017, and I think 
there was sort of a weird point in that era of those consoles where it didn't feel like there was much that people were kind of uh, late 2016 didn't seem to have loads of huge hits that people would have been still playing. I mean, that was Dishonored late 2016, um, which didn't even sell that well. And mm. like most of the the sort of big game of the year games came out early 2016. It was like Uncharted and Doom were both May, I think. Yeah, that's right. So, it, so there may be a sense that when it came out January, people were people had space for a new game. Also, I mean, this may be a bit of a stretch, but like, there was a lot of hype at the time for Persona Five, which was coming out in a few months. I think like early twenty seventeen, March or something. Um, so I don't know. Maybe people were excited about the prospect of living in recreations of Tokyo. Yeah, hmm. I sort of wonder if the um, evolving relationship with uh, sort of Japanese media and how accessible it is now has sort of led to. I guess I'm talking mostly here about like. Uh, how anime is consumed and how easy it is to mm. uh, to watch anime. I wonder if like Yakuza being adjacent to that sort of side of things has made it a bit easier to find an audience here. Am I onto something there, or is that kind of nonsense? What do you reckon? No, I could see that. Yeah, um, I feel like anime corner of the internet has uh, yeah benefited from like Crunchyroll and Funimation and all these services that just stream a constant stream of nonsense into your face. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, it feels like a sort of new wave of it compared to back when you had to buy DVDs of every three episodes of an anime series, and uh, being an anime fan was a significant investment. Uh, there's yeah. definitely some of that. I uh, th- there might also be something in like I don't know Japanese stuff seemed really cool back in the PS2 era where there was lots of like really interesting games coming out from Japanese developers, whereas the PS3 seemed like a bit of a bit of a duff note in terms of like truly original stuff coming from Japan. It really felt like Western developers took charge a bit more during that era. Mm. Well, that was when you had all the... There was this constant, like, e- endless flow of news stories about, like, all oh, the death of Japanese games, and here's old KJ Inafuni saying, like, oh, no, we all have to make games like Gears of War now, and that's all anyone wants. And the, I think that the death of the Japanese games industry was, like, greatly exaggerated. Or if anything, it was, you know, it's definitely in rude health now, it feels. I feel like that part of this was the fact that they, a lot of Japanese developers didn't seem to have the same resources as Western developers when it came to developing for the HD era. Hmm. Like, Hmm. um, I think that's largely considered, like, one of the reasons why. But it definitely seems to come from the publishers, too, who, when you see, like, Silent Hill being farmed out to um, Western developers, only to make, like, you know... um, five to seven out of ten sort of entries in those series Mm. you do wonder like you know how much of this is has naturally occurred versus how much of this is being forced by publishers who somehow think that people are afraid of playing japanese games now um Mm. and then this uh, yakuza seemed like it was counter programming to that it was Mm. like here's a game that's like pure that is not afraid to kind of like indulge in being a japanese game and to have japanese cultural influences yeah that was kind of how i saw it the fans were there and they they really wanted it there was there was a big drama when yakuza 3 i don't know if it was a big drama there was disappointment when yakuza 3 was released that you know it was missing so many features um that had been cut out of the western release stuff like the mahjong minigame and um a bunch of other ones that I guess were were seen as too culturally Japanese. Um, when obviously, like if you're really deep into that series, you absolutely want to see the stuff that is too culturally Japanese. Like that is part of the appeal of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you, yeah. Do you think um, with Zero as well, the fact that it is a 
prequel factored into it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think if they'd skipped Zero and gone straight to Yakuza 6, it would be a very... The the series' fortunes would be very different because that is not a good jumping on point. Um, It basically requires you to play at least three of the previous games to really understand what's happening. Um, Mm. Whereas, yeah, like... Zero has a lot of kind of winks to the other games in the series, but just being first in the timeline means that it's absolutely a great place to just hop on board. Mm. Yeah, so that then, Phil, that's like the um, definitive modern starting point, you think, for people getting into the series? Um, I'd say probably still, yeah. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon because it switches to a different protagonist, like even though it happens after everything in the timeline, not much of it makes a huge effect on the story. So I think if you wanted to go straight into like the newest version of the game's engine, um, the Dragon Engine, and play one of those games, like that is a really good one to just jump into. Uh Yakuza Zero, like even when it was released, it's great, but like it doesn't look like a modern game in any way, really. It's all <laughs> Big chunky buildings and incredibly stiff movement. Whereas good faces, though. Yeah, they. <laughs> when did Yakuza get good faces? Because I was trying to place this in a time. I was trying to build a timeline in my head of like, at what point did I go? Wow, actually, I really love how Yakuza looks. Um, can... So Zero definitely had some good work there. It's, it's kind of funny playing one of them because the, the main characters, like if the character's important you'll be able to see the pores on his skin and that's how you know, right. oh, keep an eye on this guy he's going to be around for a while uh, <laughs> whereas <laughs> there's a definite drop in quality for more minor characters um, yeah. I feel like, yeah, the Yakuza 0 engine, which were, Yakuza 5 was the first game to be made in that, so that was probably where they stopped being just kind of more angular, straight, smooth faces, and you really push the details. Yakuza 6, though, the the Dragon Engine is ridiculous for it. Like, it, I, was, I was reviewing that recently, because it just released on PC for the first time, and it was like, just playing that again and remembering, oh my god, this looks amazing in places. Yeah. That, I, well, I was playing a bit of um, uh, started Kiwami 2, um, and I've played other games in the Dragon Engine, but this is the first one I think I'd played on PC, and actually, it, it, it looks gen- genuinely stunning. Like, the texture of it, that world, is mm. just incredible. Like, the, the fabrics on their clothes and stuff, and the, the, you know, the furnishings and the little details, which are so, like, integral to that game. Yeah, like- You're looking at it thinking, this, in a way, looks kind of as good as anything, weirdly. Just, it, it, like, it's just t- chosen to focus on other things. Yeah, like... Um- like Yakuza Zero, Kiwami 2 has got uh, Sotenbori, uh, the Osaka area. And like the main street of that at night, when you've got all the lights coming off the restaurant, and the restaurants have like just huge crabs and things, and like moving animatronics, and <laughs> you, you get rain puddles on the street, and you're just like, this is so good. Like, so yeah, atmospheric. Yeah. Even if, like... You couldn't run up to a bin bag and the texture's bad. And you're like, well, that's <laughs> fine. You know, work on what yeah. you need to to make the effect happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, do they both run at um, 60 frames as well, the um, Dragon Engine games on PC, Phil? Oh, they do. Um, they do, except for, you know, I think it's locked to 30 in certain cutscenes or something. But for the most part, yeah, they run really well, actually. Um, 
I mean, my PC is decent, but the graphics card's getting on a bit, and uh, yeah, even now you can sort of turn on all the nice effects, and it runs nicely, and it looks great. Oh, that's good. Especially because um, buying a new graphics card is impossible at the moment, so uh, and probably will be for like the next year or so. So, um, yeah, glad to hear it kind of runs well. I also heard that Yakuza 6 has a few performance problems on PS4. Like, it doesn't run that consistently at 30 frames per second, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too granular there. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, it was... I mean, it was definitely 30. I don't know... It, it's not a series where the fluidity matters a lot of the time. I mean, I guess the the combat for Yakuza 6 has some issues anyway. Like, I think they struggled a bit kind of transposing Kiryu's moveset over into the Dragon Engine. Um, it doesn't lend itself as well to sort of his kind of very snappy arcade-like movements. Um, I don't know, performance never bothered me playing it through on PS4. Uh, although, I guess now, with the, trying it on the PS5, it might be a lot nicer. Yeah, the, I will say for the PC ports, like I love how a instantly like you know the performance boost is amazing. You don't really need a mega rig to to get it. Mm. And they also, I mean, at least definitely Zero and the Kwamis, they released like super cheap on PC. Oh, they're like twenty quid or something yeah, new, all fifteen to twenty pound, which oh. is mad considering like I'm mean, they're they're like. You know, definitely zero is easily like a hundred hour game if you get into everything, and the others are probably coming up on that. Mm. Yeah, I think all of them except maybe like Kawami One, uh, which is definitely mm. the smallest of them all. Well, uh, it depends if you decide to collect all the uh, sexy ladybird cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or do all of the Majima Everywhere stuff, which oh Jesus, oh, it gets so he so really painful. does get everywhere. Doesn't he? <laughs> he just won't stop. So, Phil, um, I wanted to ask a bit about when you were playing through the Yakuza games and uh, they weren't all like readily available, I always enjoyed hearing you talk in the office about the sort of challenges of doing that. So after you got into uh, Yakuza 0, like, what were your sort of next steps to um, trying to follow the story and what were the kind of challenges in doing that? Oh, yeah, the following the story was next to impossible. Like, I was just working with what I had available. So I say I plugged in the PS3 and... Uh, Unlike you, Samuel, I don't tend to order a lot of pre-owned games off eBay. Uh, I try and keep my collection small because I move house quite a bit at the time. And you don't want to end up in Games Court. And I don't want to end up in Games Court. It sounded harrowing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I just went on to uh, the PS3 store and was like, okay, well, four and, I think 4 was on um, some sort of deal, or some PS Plus thing maybe. So I grabbed that and went into it and was like, what the hell is any of this? Um... You know, if you go straight from zero to any game other than one, it's basically like, oh, Kiryu has a daughter now, sort of, and also, <laughs> yeah. and also has been the head of the Tojo clan. Bet you didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> although saying that, like, it's it's interesting that they've chosen Yakuza as a name for this series in the West because having played them all, no no character spends any amount of time as a Yakuza. No no protagonist. Like, Kiryu's in it for maybe five minutes in playable sections and then gets kicked out inevitably or just leaves and then is dragged back in for one more job. And it's like, this is just a man you won't leave alone. He doesn't want this life. Yeah. It's like, um, I know it's saying Yakuza 0, actually. It's basically a whole game of people in the Yakuza being pissed off at you while you work for like, for a real estate man who's lost his hand. And it's like, okay, right. I mean, I guess you can call it Yakuza and that's fine. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should have called it the one-handed real estate minion. <laughs> <laughs> and his chicken. Taki, Takibana bros. Something like that. 
Um, Phil, didn't you like learn to play Mahjong or some like some kind of mini game required you to do a lot of mad bullshit in order to just to play it? Am I uh, remembering that right? I wasn't required to Samuel. I did it for my own enjoyment. There was no there was no reason for this. Uh, so actually, Mahjong has. It, uh, if you've not played the series, like their version of Mahjong isn't like what we tend to think of it, um, where you've got just a big mess of tiles and you're matching pairs to clear a board. Like it's a competitive game uh, with four people trying to create sets and pairs of, and stuff like that. Weirdly, though, it's similar to a game that I used to play with uh, my girlfriend's family. Uh, I can't really remember what the game is. It's like some Hasbro licensed card game that. I don't know. Uses a lot of the same imagery and ideas while being slightly different, but so I don't know. It just it was. I started playing it. And was like, oh, this is kind of familiar, and then got weirdly. Like, oh, this is Mr. Potato Head Uno, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. I get this. I don't know. Got weirdly into it, and it's kind of funny because. If you look at the Yakuza subreddit, the number one most hated thing there is Mahjong. Like, all the collectionists who inevitably have to play a bunch of it to get, you know, the platinum trophy and to get all completion, and they despise it so much. And it's like, it's it's fine. It's good. It's enjoyable. Uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense. Isn't there a load of shogi in it? Now, shogi is the one that does my head in, because I'm already bad at chess, and shogi is like, what if chess had more rules? And yeah. it's like, I was too dumb for the vanilla version. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. That I I have had that feeling where I thought this is the Yakuza where I get everything in, and then you look through the kind of the challenges menu, and there's like you know win 100 games of Shogi or something. You're like, yeah, they yeah not so much. It's where they, they put in an item that uh, basically plays Shogi for you if you have it. It's like the Shogi manual, and if you do it, if you, if you um enable it it just kind of suggests moves and but uh, maybe as a balancing mechanic each time you let it suggest a move it takes longer to think of the next move until like there's Uh. 10 minutes between and you're like no i just need you to play this for me i can't do it myself like don't leave it to me i am not capable i'm here for punching and i'm here for matching some tiles in mahjong that's it i think it's it's such a change of pace from like the other activities in the game (laughs) yes you know it's like this is a game where you hit men with traffic cones or you play an incredibly complicated game of chess the other i have no idea i I have no frame of reference for how good a simulation it is of these things like how well are the other players playing i don't know i've got no frame of reference there it could be that we're all just making bad decisions and nobody is doing well playing this game but it's the risk you take I'm curious, Phil. What's um? I suppose like one thing I didn't ask here is like, what was it about the series that resonated with you that made you want to like um go to the trouble of uh, digging out your PS3, which I know is like a, a a whole irritating thing in itself. That is a good question. I think part of part of the reason I, I wanted to investigate the series further was just like a new camera show, um, which is the, the the sort of main Tokyo district that the games are set in was in the other games. So I kind of just wanted to see like oh well what what's it like when it's not the eighties? And actually there's a there's a really cool moment based on if you've if you've only played Yakuza Zero or you played that first, there's a really cool moment where you sort of 
are exploring and you see what the um the thing that you're basically fighting over what this plot of land that is central to the entire story of Yakuza 0 actually becomes um which I think if you played them in the order that they were released like obviously you'd know that area was important because it's like one of the main buildings in the series whereas I didn't have that so so yeah it was just it was really interesting to see sort of how important that became to the story um of the series mm. as a whole generally though like I know it feels like a very easy way to spend time. It's the stories zero, especially the stories are variable, but zero story is probably one of the best in the series. Um, but just the atmosphere, I, I love like the quieter moments in the games, like where you get an objective that is just go and buy some of this for this guy, and you sort of pop between different convenience stores, seeing if they're selling a specific type of bento that some guy wants. Um, just those excuses for kind of downtime and exploration and for seeing like how how the humor uh like i would have expected like its sense of absurdity and humor would have grown old after i've played seven games now maybe eight if you count judgment as well nine if you count yeah nine um but no it's still capable of making me laugh constantly like it's still just very funny and silly and then when it needs to be, it can just switch on a dime and be, like, a genuinely engrossing story. I, I really like uh, how it kind of doesn't follow the rules of kind of what makes other AAA games successful. Mm. Like, the fact that, you know, pe- you know, I think of this is one of the best written, funniest games, and so much of it, like, isn't voice acted. You know, it's just static text boxes. You know, it's the kind of the, the, kind of the natural sort of, sort of cinematic nature and the kind of polish that you know if you compare this to like a you know a naughty dog game or whatever Hmm. um and yet it it just works so well like using quite old technique it's quite an old feeling games in 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 a lot of ways but it's still like there's there's not a lot that can kind of compete with it i'd say on like the grounds of character and and um definitely humor i think that's another thing like in an era where it feels like a lot of publishers have a very distinct style now, and I don't want to say that everything's homogenized because that's such a cynical thing to say and is sort of bullshit if you think about it for a few minutes, but like for the Yakuza series to be so distinct and quirky and of its own, like it really felt like, oh, this is this is something far apart from what I've been used to and is worth like just chasing down the rabbit hole. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it. when you play Zero, I think even within the first couple of hours, like, it has three distinct cutscene styles that you're forced to kind of sit through while it explains what the story is before you do anything. And then the first thing you do is a very silly karaoke song, uh, which ends with the character imagining he's part of a rock band with his best mate. And it's like, okay, okay, this is what this is about. I'm in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that it's really funny because one of those cutscene styles you're referring to, the one where like they move slightly, but otherwise they're static <laughs> images. Like they they show you, that's so prominent in the intro. You think, oh, I guess all of the story will be like this, and you see it maybe like I don't know about ten times max in a kind of like mm. forty hour game. Yeah, I just found that quite funny that they uh, I don't know they kind of tease that, and then everything's either like just character models stood there while text boxes come up, or like or like these very. Um, uh, soap opera style kind of like um 
well-produced cutscenes. It's, uh, it's a trip, mm. I must say. Yeah, they've got them. a real eye for cinematography for like the the, the emotion cutscenes as well. I, I was play- like I say, I was playing Yakuza Six recently, and just the framing of various things, like as you're returning to Tojo Clan's headquarters, which is full of these like young, idealistic new Yakuza who, who reject a lot of your thinking and the, and the kind of the way it shows that through camera angles and the framing and stuff, it's like they've got a real cinematographer's eye for that stuff, which mm. I don't know, you're conditioned to think, oh, cutscenes, you know, uh, cutscenes are bad, like, we should be telling things dynamically through the games, but I, I quite appreciate just a really well, well-directed well cutscene until it's, mm. like, an hour long, and you're like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I like, that they've, got, I like that they've cast all these, like, aging kind of Japanese actors as well Mm. so it's got that you know it really kind of taps into uh, you know that cinema because sometimes it's literally people you recognize from like films um and you're like oh that's cool you know it kind of makes you think of yeah yeah beat Takashi type stuff Mm. but at the same time like it's just so rare to have a game where like the majority of the characters are like ancient like just old like at least middle-aged men and up I'd say, and then the youngsters are always just total punks who just get thrashed. <laughs> like that's their that's their whole role in it. I mean, I, I maybe maybe like that's playing my mind more because like like a dragon really leans into like you know it's like middle aged hero squad, yeah. um, which I really liked. But um, generally, it's just I love like there's always wrinkly faces in all the cutscenes. It's badass, you know. It's kind of feels adult in a way that a lot of games don't because they're all so fresh faced. Mm, yeah, I'd say he's got a cracking face. It's um, Kuze in Yakuza Zero. Like that is like a great old man face in a video <laughs> yeah. game. Um, yeah. Sorry, Phil, I cut you off there. Uh, you know, I was just going to make the point that uh, it did hurt a bit to realise that in uh, Yakuza Kawami One, people are still calling Kiryu old and washed up, like the punks you meet on the street. And it's like, oh, he's probably just in his thirties. <laughs> I'm in my 30s, and I couldn't punch a bunch of 20-year-olds who started on me. Where's my life going? Uh, on the subject of Like a Dragon, then, so this is a series' latest release, do you think this um, turn-based RPG style um, is the what the future of this series is likely to be, Phil? I, it's difficult. I'd say yes if they continue having Ichiban as the protagonist of them. I think they've they've tied it so much to his personality like the reason that it is they they spend a lot of time in Yakuza like Dragon basically saying hey Dragon Quest that's fun Mm. Uh, but like his personality also just does lend itself to having a bunch of people who don't necessarily have their shit together just following him because he is like (laughs) this one optimistic puppy dog that they can feel good about I know it, it. It feels so intrinsic to the character at this point, having played like a whole bunch of Like a Dragon. That I'd mm. be surprised if they ever had a game that he was the lead of, and it was just back to standard punching people. Like that would feel weird. And I think they've said in interviews that that combat system did emerge from that protagonist. Like it just it made sense to him to to go that route. Which isn't to say that every I think they've got a lot of options for what to do next with the series. Uh and it could be, yeah, a like a dragon sequel, but also I think they've mentioned that they quite like to do a Yakuza Zero sequel that's I don't know, maybe set in the early nineties or something because before Yakuza One takes place, which would probably be back with Kiryu and maybe Majima and would go back to those combat styles. Um 
and Judgment has like for a spin-off, Judgment's got quite a traditional combat system as well um, for the mm. series. So like, if that ever gets a sequel or followed on in any way, then I, I think I think it's. A, I was surprised how good the JRPG stuff was. I'm gonna say like the series often tries different styles. Like Yakuza Six and Kiwami Two both have an RTS mini game that, in the nicest way possible, it's it's there and it. It kind of is passable. <laughs> it, um, it's never. That's, that's a bullet point for the back of the box. Yeah. <laughs> this exists. It's, it's yeah. the nicest thing you can say about it. Like, you can play it and you won't have the worst time in the world. Uh, so then, so like, that was. That was the, the the thing that worried me when they announced it would be... I, I was quite excited to move away from the traditional combat, but at the same time, it was like, every time you've done a different genre style. It's been very ropely introduced into the engine, and it's kind of a fun... Like, Yakuza 5's whole racing and driving stuff, it's, it, it works, kind of, in the sense that it doesn't. it's not technically broken, but it's good that it's just a side part of the game and not the main focus. Whereas this is just... It's really well implemented. Like, the mm. it's funny consistently the combat feels satisfying in the way that a jrpg should question for both of you i should say do you like or do you really like the brawling in yakuza or is it only fine should i go first just uh, yeah. go for it <laughs> tear it down sam i personally i don't think it's bad i think there are like limitations to how satisfying it can feel um but i say this having played um yakuza zero and uh, yakuza one and two on ps2 um, I understand the combat doesn't change that much. Um, Zero does have, like, obviously the different styles, which um, makes it a big upgrade on the um, basic-ass PS2 combat. But uh, I don't know, there's, there's probably, like, another level they could tap into to make it more hardcore or customizable or, I don't know, a bit less. It does. It definitely feels like it's got its roots in, like, the PS2 era of that kind of brawling. Um, mm. Yeah, that's my take. What about you, Phil? I don't really disagree with that. It's kind of strange, like, I think the combat system that persists the most, like, Kiryu's main combat system that is throughout the series is fine for... It's really good when you're doing, like, a one-on-one boss battle because you have a lot of options for more high-level moves that you unlock. Um, So you can have some really satisfying fights like that. Their love of just throwing a bunch of guys at you is kind of when it breaks down a bit because a lot of the time you are just i'm gonna press square four times but then i'll press triangle and that's when you're in trouble mate (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i did find uh, the more i played the series the more i relied upon items that reduce the number of enemy encounters because just those those standard ones you come across in the street like they're they're fun enough but there's little challenge there and so it does get a bit much um I, I, I don't know if I'm just very bad at it, but every Yakuza game I find myself... I just have to fill my inventory with health drinks, and I basically win by drinking more health drinks than the other until the other guy... Like, I whittle him down. Like, I don't ever feel like I've truly mastered them. And then I'm like, what am I... Like, what am I missing here? You know, like, there's, they're quite... Um, you either tear like I find that you either tear through people really mm. easily, and then that's quite satisfying. And then you obviously get the big kind of comic payoffs of the kind of the heat moves. That's great, 
but then the general kind of like the simple kind of blocking game it, it's it i don't know it, it, it it's not um i don't know if it's like missing some sort of technicality or like i just like like a, a good parry or something i don't know there's there's something yeah there, there are there are some parries and it I, it's difficult because like certain trainers have moves or certain things let you get moves that are buried away but there are consistently you've got things like the kamaki drop where you can basically do a reversal that does massive damage and if you can sort of get the timing of that and there's usually a couple of upgrades that let you extend the timing window and stuff you can do a lot to actually feel like you're in control of those fights right um the problem is that stuff's never really that well seeded like it it's a combat system where it never feels necessary until it is absolutely necessary, and you're like, "Well, why didn't you prepare me for this being necessary?" Yeah, there are some there are some real difficulty spikes occasionally with odd bosses mm. who just absolutely womp you, and you, you you've basically drunk thirty energy drinks by the end of it, and you're like, "This isn't right." Matthew, what do you think, having played the uh, series more recently? Like, do you think that the the RPG style combat has maybe a bit more sort of mileage in it at this point? Well, yeah, I mean, purely because, you know, those are my sort of thoughts on the brawling. Like, for me, I felt like this is a game where I can fully engage with everything because it works on a turn-based pattern. It still has, like, a few arcade touches. Like, there are... But, you know, you can do timed button presses to kind of do an extra bit of damage or block, you know, block moves. So there's a little bit of, like, arcade-ness in it. But I don't know if... Like, I, I genuinely don't know what the read is, you know, for for, like you know hardcore series fans whether they see the kind of rpg as a kind of cute one-off you know and they you know you kind of stomach it for a game or two you know i i liked it just because i you know haven't fully mastered the brawling i think is is my kind of take interesting discussion there about the series but obviously like judgment is now coming out on ps5 and xbox series x um phil have you played much of judgment before we get into this one i have finished judgment yeah um Uh, okay cool so as excited as I am that it's coming to PS5, I think I share both of your feelings that just having upgrades of the, the previous generation of stuff is nice and fun. I, I don't love the fact that it doesn't transfer the save data to the PS5 version. So it's a real like, God, do I want to start it all over again? This will be a nice <laughs> treat for people who haven't played it yet, but I don't know if I can go back to the beginning. Yeah, and the funny thing is that I feel like all the people who wanted to play it have probably already played it, but um, nonetheless, I Mm. guess it kind of uh, future-proofs it for like Game Pass and stuff like that, and Mm. probably a PC release eventually. So yeah, I I suppose then, Phil, talk me through what you think of of Judgment, and um, how you think this sort of like detective-flavoured spin-off fits into the sort of tapestry of the series. So, I think my main thing is, like we can talk a bit about how well the detective stuff comes across, it's very basic there's not much to it but i just really like the the framing of it like as i mentioned like one of the things that drew me to the series was the the repetition of this same city and seeing it in different contexts over different eras and like seeing it through yagami's eyes as as this kind of detective albeit a detective who has strong ties to the underworld and is regularly fighting yakuza um (laughs) it still gives it a bit of a different spin like a lot of a lot of the way he interacts with the world feels fresher it's also another like really good showcase of like how good the dragon engine looks like i think this is probably the the best looking version of camarocho i like a dragon might have some of that but it doesn't camarocho doesn't feature much in that game 
Mm. What about you, Matthew? How do you feel about Judgment? Yeah, so like on paper, I was incredibly excited about this because, as listeners to this podcast will know, and people who just generally follow me on Twitter, I'm like a, I'm a huge nut for like Japanese crime fiction. I've, I've read an abnormal amount, I would say, um, and you know, I was really up for something that was going to kind of you know come from that kind of tradition and kind of tap into some of those some of those vibes. But actually, like, and it, it kind of relates back to what you were saying earlier about why is this series called Yakuza when you spend so much time not in the crime organization i would actually say because you're a detective with ties to the underworld you basically are the same character Mm. like you're just coming from the other direction if one of them's a yakuza who's been kicked out you're a non-yakuza who's enough of a yakuza you basically occupy the same space um which was a bit of a a bit of a disappointment I'll, i'll say when i was playing it i was like oh it's not that different you know it's it's how they frame the the job is obviously different like people are coming to you you've you've got more of a logical reason to be doing all the side stories because they're you know cases that people are coming to you with and i i I like that framing but the actual content of them they're not things that kiryu wouldn't have done himself really i mean you know aside from a few like i say a few aside from a million trail uh trailing missions um (laughs) Which is like that's that's the big flaw in this game is it's got like a couple of detective activities which are like the big new addition like trailing and taking photographs of people. It's a bit like sort of um, sort of illicit relationship Pokemon Snap. Um, <laughs> you have to kind of like take pictures of people as they're coming out of love hotels and things. But none of them are very deep and they repeat again and again. Particularly the trailing, which is just. It's so tedious. Like the actual kind of the building blocks they have are just feel a lot more tired in this one. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like there to be a bit, uh, you know, a bit more kind of detective stuff. I think the, the thing that does work and what helps kind of refresh uh, Camarocho in this particular one is um, because you are like above, you know, above board and kind of, you know, you're not, you're not a criminal there's there's a better sense of kind of working with the community yeah. you kind of like befriend people and help areas and those people will then kind of come and tag into battles and do like there are special moves where like if you've helped a shop in a side mission that shopkeeper might throw you you know weapons or things in the middle of a fight and there's this sense that you're kind of on the community side as opposed to a kind of disruptive criminal force so if they kind of return to this world and i think there are rumors that they are going to make more i hope they like lean into that a bit more and kind of play up the differences because if it's too similar you know after seven games of one it's it's too obvious that it's it's kind of cut from the same cloth what do you think phil do you think that's a fair fair critique absolutely yeah i'd love to see see them really double down on elements of being a detective that aren't just a couple of mini games because yeah the trading does suck (laughs) I mean, there's there's a few bits where it has almost like an ace attorney presenting evidence. Yes. But it happens in, like, the first case, and then, like, not a lot after that. And it, so it, it that that feels odd. Like, it feels like they started off with this intention to make something a bit more distinct. And it's not like, you know, that stuff isn't too different from the kind of talky, dialogue-driven side quests in the early Yakuza games. It's not like you should be scared of doing that stuff. Mm. Like, your fans have an appetite for, like, bullshit. So it's fine. Just do more bullshit. Yeah, there was a real sense, like, as you're doing either the main 
cases or any of the side missions that you're hired for that like you have case files and it fills in with like pictures of characters and all the evidence that you've collected and stuff and yeah it it, it felt like it was missing the end point of that system where you really mm. tied it together which but it has would be good yeah it, it has got some killer side qu- i mean like while i don't think it's necessarily the, the strongest game overall it's got some some of the best side quests there's this um there's this like league of perverts who you're kind of hunting who are called the twisted tr- the twisted trio and um each one of them is like an even worse pervert than before that really made me laugh like i was i was genuinely like ha- howling with laughter at like some of their names and the dialogue they've got there's a guy who sort of steals sort of women's underwear from their washing lines and i think he's called like ass catchem or something <laughs> um and it's like a pokemon riff it's really dumb <laughs> yeah i mean to be honest having played yakuza zero that sounds a lot like most of the side content in that game <laughs> yeah it's like, there's a, a pervert someone accumulating panties for whatever reason yeah, um, yeah but like they're they're really exceptional perverts in this one <laughs> Sam, you don't understand how exceptional these perverts are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, but before we kind of um, move on to uh, your top five then, Phil, I-, I sort of wanted to cover off the whole series in uh, some respects. And so I wondered how much curiosity you had about some of the games that, well, first of all, Dead Souls, if you had any curiosity about that, but also some of the ones that didn't actually make it to the West or haven't yet. So um, there were two games on the PSP, uh, called like black panther i think they they're sort of spin-off games about a different character and then um obviously there were these two sort of period set games as well um kenzan and uh ishin i believe um do you think they'll ever head west and do, do you think that people are missing out for not having them what's your sort of vibe on those so i saw some speculation recently that the success of ghost of shishima might like prompt Sega to think oh there's some there's some interest there in that time period which i don't know it seems strange that they would think there wouldn't be but i don't know i'm definitely interested to try those two i'm sure they will have much of the same sort of flavor and and like any addict i'm just i'm happy for anything they throw my way at this point i remember with um kenzan when um i was on play magazine and no ps3 games were coming out it was like there is a you know a, a hd yakuza game you know in this period setting that like is is out in japan someone could just localize it and then the ps3 <laughs> would have another game to play but they just seemed i guess it was like the wrong moment for it but it just seemed like i don't know such a missed opportunity not to uh yeah, yeah i'm sure I, you, yeah yeah it's worth noting like i think th- there are a lot of challenges that come from trying from localizing any of the accuser games um i think it's worth calling out how good sega's localization team is um we interviewed them for the mag a few years back for a special report thing and it was really interesting like reading just how much effort they've put into things like the way Majima talks and how uh, they basically said that there's one guy who knows how to write Majima uh, in English and if he leaves we're in trouble um, <laughs> Which is how I like to operate the magazine with features yeah, like I was the spy. Say, that has got like big magazine energy. <laughs> That's like there's only one person who knows how the capture device for the Wii works. So let's hope they don't leave. <laughs> oh, the spy! Yeah, that is a good point, actually, Phil. Like, um, is that? Are you still doing the spy? <gasps> breaking the. Oh right, the yeah. Sorry, we can't talk. But about yes. That. <laughs> I can exclusively <laughs> reveal nobody else knows how to do the spy, so it's still my my burden. 
I never understood how to do a spy. I did it like fewer than 10 times in my entire run on um, PC Gamer. And like, yeah, it, the first Chris Thurston, uh, he understood it. And then when he left, it had to be you. And uh, yeah, if you ever leave, then yeah, we'll, you'll just be like, uh, I don't know, some kind of like martial arts master who passes on his killing move to like the um to like one person for them to carry on for 50 years that or um, i'll leave and the editor will finally feel safe to get rid of a rumors page from a magazine yeah okay uh, do you have any more stray thoughts on the either judgment or the yakuza series uh either of you before we move on to the top five just that i i i, I tell you what i really like i really like yakuza fans the few people i follow on twitter who are like super into it they've just got really good vibes and the game gives them good vibes and like I feel like I've enjoyed a lot of them vicariously through them. Like it's, it's just uh, I don't know. Good people like Yakuza, I think. Mm. <laughs> oh, that, that's actually yeah. That, no, that is something worth mentioning. Is like it was a massive surprise to me that this crime game about a Tokyo red light district would be as wholesome as it was. Like. Mm. I think it really it could it could so easily have gone the other way and been like very edgy and um, quite seedy, but in the end, I think they've really got a good sense of humour with Kiryu as this kind of naive, almost childlike figure at times. That means mm. he sort of understands what's going on, but so much stuff goes over his head in a way that means he can like interact with situations without ever feeling like he's never salacious or um mm. or threatening in that way i don't know there's something deeply wholesome about how he interacts with the world that i think really lets them explore kind of the the nightlife uh, of these zones without it coming across as grotty well tell tell that to Catherine when she walks in on me watching a <laughs> video clip of a woman in a bubble bath <laughs> oh yeah there's um there are so many moments in yakuza zero where he's like basically confronted by a pervert and he's completely non-judgmental about it he's just like an onlooker it's like oh i've just entered the orbit of your life but i have i don't wish to know details about you know, why you're doing these disgusting things or why you're covering yourself in grease and talking about your libido, but God, God damn it, I will help you resolve whatever <laughs> issue it is that you're dealing with. I, um, I don't think there's a single music cue in video games that, that works harder than the sub-story, <laughs> which is the, this person seemed awful, but actually they're very sweet. <laughs> and it's like, it, that's... You know, they're a total thug, but they were doing it for their sick child or whatever. Um, I, that always makes me chuckle. I love that they've the sub stories have like one of three musical cues at the end, <laughs> which is like the well, that was funny, <laughs> or it's got the or it's got that wasn't this emotional if, yeah. sting. If there's a it's like, problematic element of the accuser games, it's that it really does teach people that ninety percent of bad people in the world can be punched so hard that they reevaluate their life choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that seems like a good note to leave this section on. Um, so yeah, we'll take another brief break and then we'll come back with Phil's top five Yakuza games. Welcome back to the final section. So, Phil, 
You're going to give us your countdown of the five best Yakuza games, according to you, uh, a series expert. So you've played all of them, you have thoughts on all of them. Is there any kind of like preamble you want to give before we get into the list? Uh, I think we can dive into it. Uh, I guess... Is it a heart or a head list? Oh, it, a heart. it is a heart list. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I'm sorry about what's number one. No, that's all right. I, I like a heart list. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I sort of looked at a bunch of criteria. I mean, a lot of it is sort of setting and sub-stories and just how good is the story. For instance, Yakuza 4 will not be appearing in this list because... Its story is nonsense, and it hits a point sort of two-thirds of the way through where every chapter is another twist to a conspiracy that by the end, like, I don't know if you could even draw out what any character was actually trying to achieve. It's very much... I don't know if you've seen the Community episode where the Dean is just doing conspiracies because he wants to be included, but it's really got that vibe to it. Uh, (laughs) It's also... Probably the most serious Yakuza game. Like, all the sub-stories are very dour and hard-boiled, and it's quite relentless after a while. Um, Kiwami 1 is also not appearing because of the aforementioned Majima Everywhere combat system. Um, And also the weird (laughs) fact that, like, Majima's appearance in that game makes zero sense if you also play the story. Like, he's popping up out of traffic cones and sewers and everywhere and doing incredibly elaborate pranks to have battles with Kiryu as part of this weird side combat system and then you get to the story and he's like the old Majima from before they made him a quirky fun character where he's just beating the shit out of his own employees because he's a psychopath it's like wow these two things do not fit in the same game together at all (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting I got to the point in that where Every once in a while, there's like a big Majima event, and it's like, go here for like the next stage. And if you don't go there, he just stops appearing, yeah. so I just stopped going to them. I was like, well, I know if I ever go down that alley, it will basically awaken Majima again. <laughs> so I just avoid that alley completely. I was scared to even go near it, just in case I triggered it. That is very wise, because I made the mistake of triggering them all, and it reaches a point where he stops doing big events, and so there's no off switch. It's just yeah. it's like okay, my time with this game has to be done now because he's just f- he's forever waiting for me in an alley, dressed up as a zombie or something. By the end, he's got so. like eight health bars that you need to <laughs> chip away at. It's like this is just too much. In which case, Phil, were there any other ones that didn't make the list that you wanted to like highlight here, or do you think we're? Uh, we're I think those are the off? main two. Yakuza um, Three didn't because it's old and it's a bit. It's in the old engine, and it's like its thing is it's fine. It's good. It's nice exploring Okinawa, and the, the this kind of island paradise. That's nice, but there's nothing more to it really. It's it's just a fine entry that's dated a bit. Fair enough. Well, hit us with your number five then. So number five is Judgment, uh, as we've already talked about. So even though it definitely has like some issues and is probably hems a bit too close to being a Yakuza game, I think. A lot of I really like the main story quest for Judgment. Um, I really like it when the series kind of tackles actual social issues that Japan is facing at the time. Um, and Judgment eventually sort of starts looking at uh, the health system and its increasingly aging population, and it gives like a real grounding to an otherwise silly game full of perverts. I also think the combat system is probably like for the for the um, brawler 
based games. Judgment's Combat really feels like it was built for the Dragon Engine um, in a way that Kiryu's doesn't. It, it, mm. but he, he, he switches between these two Kung Fu styles, like the Crane style is meant for, for when you're being swarmed by multiple enemies, uh, and Tiger style is more for one-on-one fights. But like Kung Fu is already a very fluid combat system, and that really suits the Dragon Engine's kind of, the, the way it does animations. And that just made it, like, a lot more satisfying. It's very flashy. There's a lot of, like, acrobatic jumping off walls. Mm. Yeah, there's a... Which is always a good thing. Far more of a grappler, and that means a lot of the heat moves uh, feel... I mean, partly they just feel different, which is a breath of fresh air, um, even while being essentially just a series of ways to hurt a person. But... And and a shopkeeper throwing you hot sauce, which you then pour into a man's eyes, is always going to be funny. That is good. Uh, Kiwami 2's actually got a lot of that as well. There's a, a system where Kiryu befriends a bunch of people around town, and they will help him out. Oh, nice. Oh, well, I need to I need to plow on with that. In which case, then, Phil, do you, are you ready to move on to your number four? I think we can, because we've already talked about Judgment quite a bit. So mm-hmm. my number four is Yakuza Kiwami 2. I, as I mentioned, I had problems with Kiwami 1. I thought... I mean, it was it was a good version of the first Yakuza game, but the first Yakuza game probably isn't the best showcase of that series. Like, a lot of things were still in their infancy, whereas I think Yakuza 2 is just a much better basis to work off of. You can see it in the sub-stories. Like, I, I did wonder... There is one where you fight um, a Yakuza boss who likes to dress and act as a baby, and obviously it's incredibly... <laughs> It's one of the things that will have been shared a lot on social media because he Kiryu is stood in front of a bunch of people who are dressed as babies and he's the face of a man who is like, okay, I've got to deal with this. These people need to be punched. This is my life now. Uh, and it's very yeah. funny. And I assumed that was something that was sort of inserted into Kiwami 2 along with a handful of other stuff like as a as a kind of modern twist. But no, no, that's, that was just in the original Yakuza 2 oh. because it is... <laughs> It, 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 I think it's the game that finally figured out what the series should be. Um, so it's just this really strong basis. It's also got probably one of the best stories of the series. Like a really clear, memorable prota- protagonist who's basically like a guy in Osaka who also has a dragon tattoo and so therefore cannot stomach Kiryu living because there can only be one. And it's like, okay, well, I know where <laughs> we're at with this. I know there's, there's no... There's no need for a... Di- I mean, there is also a deep conspiracy involving the Korea Mafia, but it, it, it never gets... Uh, because of how long these games are, usually you hit sort of chapter 12 or 13 and you're like, okay, I'm waiting for this thing to go balls to the wall with twists and conspiracies and dramatic revelations. Whereas I feel like too, like there, there are some twists, but they, they all feel like they enhance the main conflict. Mm. That said... As much as that is a bit more grounded, there is also a bit where uh, you visit Osaka Castle, which is a real and relatively famous landmark, but it then splits in two so that a different but golden castle can emerge from the ground so you can (laughs) enter it and beat up a lot of people and then fight two tigers. Okay. That sounds like Persona. <laughs> it does. It does a bit. It, it, yeah. it might be one of the most bizarre things that, like, in terms of for the main story. Like, often the main story is like this is where people are serious and they stare at each other and they have like actual drama, uh, and then that mm. happens sometimes as well. So it's like, okay, well, 
that's this game. Handily, uh, just because I started playing it, it also if you if you want to, you can start with like a half hour breakdown of Kiwami One, so it just gets you through the story, gets you into Kiwami Two faster. Yeah, that might just be worth doing because <laughs> not loads happens in Kiwami One other than Kiryu adopts a child. Yeah, it feels like um, when I played Zero, actually, I thought, does the story of One still make sense when this exists? Um, because He's just kind of like, there's, it starts with a kind of status quo and then obviously he goes to prison and stuff. And there's no mention at that time that like the Yakuza were all like after you when you were like 18 or whatever. And you were sort of throwing cash around the streets and stuff like that. Um, and like uh, it felt very, felt very somber in tone compared to um, Zero because I don't think, it, like you say, I don't think it was big on sub stories. One, I don't even remember the sub stories in one. But, it, um, it did have a bunch, but none of them really stand out as like having the same absurdity to them yeah oh fair enough but um yeah kiwami 2 that's yeah, uh, another it, game that looks very nice it looks great uh it, it's huge like it doesn't feel slight in the way that kiwami 1 did like it's it's got the two cities it's got so many new mini games and extra bits that you can do um it, it also follows on from yakuza 0 in some key ways like the hostess management game is uh reprised but this time Kiryu is at the head of it but a lot of the plot lines follow on from doing it as Majima in Yakuza 0 which um, and also there are like some extra stories that where you play as Majima they're they're, the things you select from the menu so they're not like part of the open world they're they're special chapters that you can go in and that follows on from some of his story beats with some of the characters from 0 as well Um, Mm. So that really does feel like the successor to Yakuza 0 in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, you almost can skip Kiwami 1 and just go straight to that and to guarantee to have a good time with it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, quick um, sort of side question, Phil. Do you think they should do any more sort of um, Kiwami games or would you prefer them to just focus on making uh, new stuff? I don't see it happening now because they've done the remastered releases of 3, 4 and 5. Like I don't now they've done that. I don't know if there's any real need to go back and do like a remake of 3. It feels like there is an easy way to play it. Um and it's not the most interesting of the series anyway. So yeah, I do I do think they're probably better served just going off in new directions that said if they want to do a kiwami of ishin or kenzen as a way to bring them to the west then yeah go for it just make games i've not played before that's what i'm saying (laughs) uh so here's your number three phil uh my number three is yakuza like a dragon so as i said this this makes a surprisingly good uh entry point to the series just because it's got this new protagonist the rpg stuff is just really good and i like how funny the combat is consistently like some of the enemy types they come up with like there is a guy who just has uh an inflatable raft type thing with him and he is all wet for some reason and sort of slides at you and sometimes falls over instead of attacking it's like all right that's that's a man i've encountered in this city for some reason um it's just full of weirdos and then the weirdos are attached to a system called, I think, Sujimon. I yeah, can't remember what right. that's meant to stand for. But it, there is a incredibly strange uh, professor who gets, who basically wants to wants you to punch all of these people as a Pokemon riff, <laughs> so that you can catalogue all of the perverts and weirdos in the city. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, 
You you sure know what you're about, don't you, Yakuza? The enemy designs are they're so good. There's the there's like a influencer who's like filming the fights with his mobile phone the whole time. Yeah, there's like Twitch streamers who try and hack your data and release it as a way to give you a status debuff. <laughs> and um there's also also brilliant are the um, summons that you can do, which is part of a menu that is unfortunately called Pound Mates, um, <laughs> where you can just buy like the services of a crab, uh, not a crab, a crawfish who will fall from the sky and poison everybody in the party, or uh, just the woman who runs the soup kitchen who gives you a nice broth that will heal you. Uh, it's powerful stuff. It's consistently funny uh it's, it's oh. and and the return of the man babies as well and the return of the man babies they bought them back because they, they have a big tantrum they kind of kick it they sort of lie on the floor and keep crying until everyone's i don't know deafened or something again really nice story too i should caveat this by saying i have not finished like a dragon yet so it could all go to nonsense at the end quite easily but i really like the it, it does it's the UK series as a whole has this thing where you spend a lot of time like getting to know the homeless of Camarocho in particular. Mm. There's a real kind of humanity and um, empathy for the homeless populations, and uh, that is sort of really doubled down on at the start of Like a Dragon, where um, you basically wash up in uh, this new series, city, Yokohama, and you were saved by one of the homeless camps there by a doctor at one of the homeless camps and he eventually becomes a member of your party and uh you recruit a bunch of other weirdos as you kind of as you were saved by essentially the kind of gray semi-legal areas of that city um and then one of your primary antagonists is like this youth movement that wants to stamp out the the gray zones of the city uh called mm. bleach japan who <laughs> are just like an insufferable pack of idealistic youths that you're like well we're gonna beat all these people up (laughs) i wouldn't exactly say it's got a nuanced worldview but uh there's some depth to like its exploration of themes for sure And, and and i think the party structure like the fact that you get to spend you spend a lot more time with your core kind of allies than you do in the other games mm. you know there's there's even like a there's like a bar you can hang out in which has got like a bit of a sort of normandy and mass effect vibe so you go in there and you can basically talk to each member of your party and you like learn their backstory in little chunks there are i don't know if the, i can't really remember if there's this it's not like specific loyalty missions per se but you kind of no. at the end when you've sort of leveled up their um bond enough the last conversation you have usually ends in a fight some way because you're sort of resolving that issue that they've been talking about throughout yeah i really like ichiban as a protagonist as well like totally different vibe to kiryu um still likable and sympathetic but like where kiryu is all stoic and uh serious ichiban is just kind of a dipshit who will always say what he thinks like Every emotion is on his. He's the polar opposite in that sense. Like he can, he has no filter, and it's just just leads to some really charming moments. I'll, um, it's also like the only one that's like on next gen consoles. And apparently, apparently, like looks really nice as well on uh, next gen. Did yeah. you play it on um, new Xbox, Matthew? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's it's, it's nice. You can kind of uh, switch it between a kind of you know sixty frames at 
a lower resolution or kind of 4K thing, but it, I don't know. The art style of it just looks so solid and nice that I played it in the 60 frames thing, and it's just like, yeah, really gorgeous game. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on um, Like a Dragon before we move on, Matthew? No, I'm kind of, kind of with Phil on this one. Um, I, I think I like might rate it a bit higher um just because i you know like i say the combat clicked for me mm. um the visual humor of the enemies and the special attacks is so good i mean if if you if you played and liked kind of other kind of slightly comic rpgs maybe like the sort of you know the paper mario games there's almost a bit of that energy particularly with the kind of like the timed button presses in the combat to kind of spice things up but the different job classes and the kind of special attacks that come out of them are, you know, just absolutely brilliantly realised. And humour is a really good reward for, like, grinding through a skill tree because you you want to see what mad thing they're going to do next. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really strong, this game. I loved it. Um, do you want to hit, hit us with your number two then, Phil? So, my number two is Yakuza 0, the, the original one I played, uh, which I was always going to have a soft spot for, but also i think stands up still as one of the best out there like going back to the 80s that stuff isn't just uh an aesthetic choice like everything about that game builds into the theme the way that you know you punch a man and knock him down and money pours out of him like it's silly but i also think behind the absurdity there's there's quite a biting satire i think about the the 80s and the idea of this bubble economy where everybody is just spending too much like one of the things i love about yukisa zero there is a sub story for majima who is probably the least reliable character in the series to be taking advice from where he inspires a politician to enact a bunch of legislative measures that are basically the the sort of tax measures that cause the 80s bubble economy to burst and led to an entire decade of economic stagnation in Japan. And it's like, oh, okay, I see where you're coming at this from. Like, the, the, everyone who lived through the 90s went through a pretty hard time there. So there's probably quite a lot of resentfulness as well, while also being a celebration of the excess. Um, mm. Yeah, mm. There's, there, there's a lot of depth to it in that sense. Um, I say, as I also remember that it is a game where a character called Mr. Libido dances around in his pants and asks you <laughs> to collect cards with pictures of women on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, So this is what I've been playing recently. I've played about 40 hours of it now. And um, I'm on chapter 14, so I'm pretty near the end, I think. But you never know with these games. Um, and I... I do. It does feel like slightly older now, I must say. Mm. It, this one released on PS3 as well as PS4, right? Yes. And yeah, I think you can tell that it's a little bit older, but it is a really, really good like crash course in um, a lot of different characters who I met. I was looking up and seeing that oh, in um, these future games, this uh, you know, this kind of like son of a Yakuza boss is actually very important and um, that sort of stuff, which I really yeah. liked. And you point out to me, Phil, when we were talking about. Um, Yakuza Zero on Slack is that the way they introduce Majima in this game is amazing. Like the um, <laughs> the particular kind of like story of him working in that cabaret club, but then when you re- when you realise why there are these like he keeps seeing the same people outside the yeah. where he lives every day, and then the chapter's called a gilded cage. Like that's a really really good bit of like individual storytelling, and um, the slow build up to where. Uh, <laughs> this uh, ludicrous bit patch of land in Camarocho that 
um, has triggered this like big gang war. But it's it's like a it's a really kind of like weird hook for a game, but like um, does have quite a good mystery attached to it and a bit of sort of misdirection. The way that the stories kind of converge towards the end is um, it has been satisfying. Maybe it goes off the deep end from here. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. It doesn't really Yakuza Zero. Like it hangs together better than most of the stories. Um, I think because they had such like a strong idea of where they wanted to go with it. It is maybe a bit. I mean, as you pointed out earlier, like nobody really learns anything from what happens in Yakuza Zero because they can't because it was inserted like towards the end of the story that they've told over the series. Um, so they go through all this kind of trials and stuff only to kind of go back to a status quo and it's like well we've done what we need and now we will become the characters we will be for the rest of the series thank you and goodbye um <laughs> which it's if you haven't like if you're playing yakuza zero first i think that is a bit kind of abrupt and it's like oh why did you make those choices which is fair but i don't know it, it hangs together very well for what it is like if you if you were only going to play one game in the series i think this would be a strong contender because it just it really perfects so many of the elements that make it great yeah it's it's really really good oh yeah i'm uh the the kind of dual settings is quite cool as well having played um yakuza one and and it just being camarocho sotom bori's like got a distinctive vibe to it i like that when you fight people on the bridge in sotom bori you can just like throw them off into the river um as like a (laughs) kind of one of your heat uh heat moves yeah a really good vibe about it and uh yeah some really good sub stories as well i'm particularly fond of the um majima one where there's the guy with the portable telephone and it keeps <laughs> like not working because it t- t- takes up so much battery power um but i love how into it majima is he's like oh fuck like this it's a chance to be some like part of this like revolutionary new technology and then like that dude with the phone is just like a living save point for the rest of the game after you finish that side quest like that's a really nice touch um I- I really like the stuff where um, is it Miracle Jackson? Yes, uh, and Miracle Johnson, Johnson, which is like that's that's great in itself. But then there's the the obvious Steven Spielberg who's directing his music video, and it it looks like a fat Steven Spielberg, and he's got a name which is like uh, it's sort of similar to Spielberg, but it's that that really made me laugh as well. I've not got. I've not reached that one yet. Or I must have just missed it along the way. I'll uh, have to make sure I tick it off before. Yeah, that's a, that's a Kiryu one. It's it's it's, it's just funny. It's really daft. <laughs> it's like just one step removed from reality that you don't get sued, but it's close <laughs> enough that it's so obvious what they're doing. <laughs> Any more thoughts uh, on Zero Earth, Phil? No, I think we can move on. A, a quick, okay. a quick shout out for the mini. I I really like the the two management games in Zero. Mm. I I I. I dedicated an unholy amount of time to both running the hostess bar and building my real estate uh, business yeah i like the um so far i've i've been enjoying the real estate business because it's been a chance to um do that side quest where um q sends letters into that radio station about yeah, yeah. Uh, telling his stories and that's like one of the best side quests in the game in terms of like <laughs> telling you a bit about his character like his optimism and like um naivety mm. like you say phil the hostess you, bar stuff was definitely where my girlfriend walked in and i had to be like no you don't understand there's a story arc it's people are learning <laughs> people are growing there's there's development <laughs> here it's not what it looks like uh, yeah did you um did you say there are story elements attached to the hostess bar stuff because i've not actually de- delved into that 
deep uh, that deeply, but you say that it gets picked up again in Kiwami too. Yeah, so so those characters like they would they as you um, I can't remember what it's tied to, but eventually as you play it, I think it's as you sort of complete the tournaments or the other businesses as you target them there will be sub stories attached to each of the characters um mm. and some of some of those characters reappear in kiwami 2 as kiryu takes on a, a hostess club in um in sotombori and you're you're actually your main target is the place that Majima is running in Zero because after he left, maybe some unsavory characters came in and took hold. Um, but some of the characters returned there. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird that it's been quite a throwaway thing, but it having like people clearly had enough fondness for it. They were like, oh yeah, we can return mm. here and we can we can bring some of those characters back and we can make it like it's not just it's not just a thing that is there to make extra money. Like there are story hooks to it and there are characters that will become important again in different games it's yeah well that's cause they did, cause in, you know in kiwami one they added stuff which is like the payoff to setups in zero mm. you go back to like the slot car races and like all the kids you were racing with in zero are now like old you know they're middle-aged yeah. kind of losers who never left the slot car place and you have to kind of deal with all their traumas which is quite fun it's weird how some of that pays off in yakuza 6 as well like you find um pocket circuit racer in as it's in Hiroshima uh, in Onomichi with uh, and his life has has taken a turn and it's like okay well Kiryu's <laughs> here now it'll all be okay yeah. <laughs> cool in which case then Phil um, I'm ready for your controversial number one okay full heart choice as mentioned uh, it is Yakuza 5 the game made before Yakuza 0 it's in Yakuza 0's engine so it doesn't feel too old but what it is is the most Yakuza game uh it goes <laughs> too hard too much too wild it is so ambitious <laughs> it's absurd it has five main characters uh set across <laughs> five cities uh each character has their own sort of career mode mini game a, a bit like the hostess stuff so wow so kiryu who is in fukuoka is a taxi driver and so you just get to drive the streets like because they put an entire driving system in for, for that side mode, basically, um, <laughs> just fulfilling requests for the citizens and having chats, and that, that that's just a really fun way to introduce sort of characters and situations to him. Um, a different character has a full sort of survival-based hunting mini-game thing um, where he's going after <laughs> some legendary mountain bear. Uh, <laughs> And then one of the characters is Haruka, uh, Kiryu's daughter, who instead of fighting uh, throughout Sotombori, uh, she's an idol in it, and so does dance battles with people she meets on the street. Um, oh my god. And, and like, her whole side career is like rhythm minigames, but also doing handshake events with uh, fans on the street and like <laughs> attending Japanese TV shows. There's actually a one of her sub stories is she, she becomes the the sort of straight man in this comedy double act, and <laughs> as part of it, there is what in the original Yakuza Five Western release is probably one of the hardest mini games in the entire series because you have to pick responses the the, the responses to this um, double act story 
which means trying to get the timing right because you were judged on both what you say and when you say it while you're oh. trying to get cues from somebody speaking in Japanese as subtitles scroll on a different timeline. Oh. And it's just like, oh, this is genuinely impossible. Um, <laughs> luckily, they fixed it in the remastered version. So there is now like a uh, timing bar that comes up that shows you when you should select your response. So that's that's one thing they fixed that was <laughs> doing it at the time it was like this is actually impossible and to be fair <laughs> japanese double act comedy is not my cup of tea anyway so <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i it's i know I, the the sheer ambition of it to go as hard as yakuza 5 does like i can understand why people I, generally, if you look at people's lists of Yakuza, five will come either near the top or very close to the bottom because taken as... as it, it's far too long. And taken as a story, like I couldn't even tell you how the fifth character, who is just some guy who used to play baseball and is a journalist now, how he really fits into the story. Like right. It's been a few years since I played it. It's like, surely he was not important. Um <laughs> And yet he is there and has a different baseball um, minigame system to every other character's baseball minigame because he is good at baseball and so gets one that is a little easier to use so you can be better at it. Uh, It's full of weird little details like that. That I haven't played it and it sounds amazing. It should not be anybody's first Yakuza game. Um, There's just... It's too... Uh, tied to like the story that emerges around four, like some of the characters uh, that you play are introduced as playable characters in four, which is just set in Camarocho. So you either need to you look at a lot of story recaps or play some of the previous games to really understand what's going on. But mm. holy shit, like there's just so much going on here. The arcade has uh, Taiko no Tatsujin, the the drumming. Um, arcade oh, game as just rad. one of its playable things in the Sega Club, which is just great. It's like, ah, for once, it's not just Virtua Fighter again or Outrun. <laughs> as much as I love oh, Outrun, fucking... it's always Outrun. Yeah, fucking Space Harrier as well. I mean, I already played Outrun and Space <laughs> Harrier and Shenmue. I didn't need it in Yakuza as well. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, Yakuza 5 is the one where I, I always see the meme I always see from it is the guy fighting the bear in like the snow. Is that like how, how kind of fundamental to the story is all that stuff, Phil? Not really. He encounters a bear and he fights it, and sometimes that's all all it needs to be. <laughs> that, that happens quite early on. It's a tough fight because it's a bear, but and, yeah, and side uh, so um, every character has a different combat system as well, uh, and Sajima's is a lot more grappling based, which which puts you very close to the bear a lot of the time. Um, there are some absolutely absurd sub-stories as well. Um, so Saijima's whole thing is set in Sapporo, I think. Um, I may have got that wrong. But wherever it is, it's like very icy. And so there is one sub-story where you have to deliver a bowl of ramen because the delivery guy sprained his ankle. But as you do, businessmen are sort of slipping on their... Like turtles turned over. Um, just <laughs> with their back, had their hands sprawled in the air as they slide down the street because of how icy it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're just walking slowly across the street, dodging flailing businessmen, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, this is this is everything I want. Like it 
probably goes too hard on the Yakuza as a comedy game thing, but I came to this one after four, which was a bit dour, a bit serious, and it was like, no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bathe myself in this this warm bath of laughs. I like this is a world where that stuff's happening, but there are also people chopping their fingers off because they've been dishonorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, amazing! Yeah, that's that's that does sound pretty extra. I'm, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, so it's not good. a game I knew much about, to be honest. So it's nice to hear you um, hear that you quite like it. Yeah, it, I think if you're not bothered about the story too much or following it, or you feel like if you don't, if you're never going to play them in order, just track down Yakuza Five and and try it out because it is wild. It's the, it's the series at just there, there is no restraint. It's it's too much. It should never exist. It will never. They'll never do it again. I'm sure because there's just no reason to. Well, then that's the um, that wraps up the top five. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Phil, for uh, imparting your expertise on Yakuza. It's really nice to you know to hear you put all this stuff on record. I feel like it's all existed in like dribs and drabs of like <laughs> yeah. PC gamer reviews over the years. You know, but that's um, it. I mean, I've played these things for hundreds of hours. It was about time that somebody got some use out of that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pleased we could uh, audit uh, that time investment for content. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Um, so where can people follow you on Twitter, Phil? Uh, I am at Octader on Twitter. That's O C T A E D E R. Cool. And they uh, can also uh, read your stuff on PC Gamer when you're not um, frantically managing about forty different staff. Um, that's true. I will uh, at some point. I will post something about Destiny on PCGamer.com. That's what I'm called in for. Awesome. And uh, how about you, Matthew? Where can people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at, at Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. If you'd like to email the podcast, it's uh, backpagegames at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get to a bunch of letters next week. We've had a few come through, so um, thank you very much for that. We'll uh, make sure we get through the backlog in case we have to do another mailbag episode. And uh, yes, you can also follow the podcast at BackpagePod on Twitter. And um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Ready for some hot Yakuza chat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've just re- I, the English pronunciation's meant to be Yakuza, right? But I just realised I can never rewire my brain to do that. Um, yeah, I was gonna like I, I listened to previous episodes and I heard you call it Yakuza, so I was like, oh, good, it's in the style guide now. I can <laughs> I can just go on as normal. <laughs> I hope that doesn't become like culturally insensitive in years to come, and then like someone digs up the audio and go, look at these, <laughs> look at these pricks, um, all cancelled. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine, but um, yeah. That's good. Well, I'll put this at the end of the episode so people uh, will know that we're owning it and therefore it's um, probably okay. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's how it works.